Lord Jesus, you said before you left this earth, all authority has been given to you in heaven and on earth. Then you told us our job is to go and make disciples, to see lives changed one at a time, one family, one neighborhood, one street, one nation. So Lord, come this year, bring your favor, bring an outpouring of the Spirit, bring an awakening, Father, that leads to revival and show us what our part is. We trust you, Jesus, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord the applause that is due him and him alone. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. If you're here, if you would bring this card, pull it out of your uh, bulletin. And this is something I've done for decades and decades, and we've done this here for 25 years or so. I've asked the church family to ask the Holy Spirit to give each one of us a verse or a cluster of verses that speaks to our greatest need. I don't know what your greatest need is, but if you will ask the Holy Spirit to give that to you, he will. Then what you do is you write it down, memorize it, put it in your car or tape it to your vanity so you see it every day and go to sleep thinking about it. Try to make it a part of your life and it'll give you amazing freedom to do that. Now look at the backside. The backside just says, Lord, I'm listening and this is what I'm hearing in my heart you saying to me. If you don't write it down, you may not follow through. So you got it? I'm sorry, you got it? Okay, thank you. Open your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 5. We're talking about reading the Holy Scriptures. Would you repeat that please? Reading the Holy Scriptures. Just about every January... I attempt to stir your hearts to be faithful in Bible reading. If you never learn to read the Bible for yourself, you'll probably be a baby Christian all of your life. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Everybody got it? Hold your Bibles up. You got your Bibles? Even if it's electronic. Okay, chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to what? Fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Verse 19. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and then teaches others to do the same. By the way, there's a lot of people in our culture that say this book is outdated. This book can't be trusted. This book is full of errors. Whoever 
annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But, everyone say but. This is where you fit in. Whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called what? Great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the purpose is for you to read the book, live the book, pass the book on to somebody else and do that all of your lifetime. So if I could kind of sum up what our Savior said, okay, now this is not in your notes. I've just got a couple things, but let me just make sure we're clear here, okay? According to Jesus, the law and the prophets is to us essentially everything in the Old Testament, okay? The New Testament does not supplant the Old Testament, okay? There's a lot of people, some preachers that teach, well, we're New Testament Christians. We have no regard, no need for the old. Well, they don't understand the scriptures. It does not supplant the Old Testament. It builds on top of it. It's like building a house. Okay, this is your foundation. Now, verse 18, Jesus is saying this. He is affirming that everything in the Old Testament is completely inerrant. Say the word inerrant, which means there's no errors. The dates, the geography, uh, the names of the cities, the names of the kings, it is without error. By the way, uh, archaeology always proves the truth of Scripture. It has never disproved it. So, it affirms the inerrancy of Scripture, and Jesus affirms the authority of Scripture. Down to the slightest, tiniest accent mark. Okay. That is our belief at Church of the Savior and how I see it too. Now, people that undermine the truth of Scripture... They may love Jesus, but they still undermine the truth of Scripture. They're going to be shocked when they see a lot of their honor diminished in the next life. On the other hand, people that teach this book, and anybody can find somebody else to teach the book to. After my conversion... 48 years ago, probably for 48 years, I have studied, taught this book to maybe four to five groups a week for 48 years. It's helped me more than it helped them. Matter of fact, as a brand new Christian, I prayed for two years because my family didn't know the book. My family didn't pray. The Bible was never taught in our church. And I and the, my mentor was the first person I met that opened the book and he seemed to be able to make it talk anywhere. And I went, wow, Lord, everybody I know is starving for truth. And if you could use me to help people find truth in your word, so be it. Give me the opportunity and grace to do it. Okay, now that's the pre-sermon. Are you ready? This is one of my first girlfriends back in the third grade. She was a little older than me. This is Amelia Taylor. 
She and James had a baby boy born in England in 1832. And after she got out of the bed from having this baby, she took this tiny boy in her arms and prayed a prophetic prayer that only the Holy Spirit could have put in Amelia's heart. Here's the prayer. Oh Lord, grant that this little boy would serve you powerfully in the distant place called China. And that was a prophetic prayer. And she prayed for this boy, James Hudson Taylor. That's a, a painting of him when he was about 17. He gave his heart to Christ, heard the whisper of missions in his heart, And when he was age 21, he did a courageous thing. He took some elementary classes in medicine. And with no funding, no training, no protection, he got on a ship and left London for China. And he stayed there 51 years. And the history of the world is changed because of this 21-year-old young British man. By the way, I went to seminary with his great-grandson in Wilmore, who now runs the ministry from Hong Kong. Now, when James Hudson Taylor got to China, he noticed right off the bat that all the missionaries were clustered into safe places along the coast. And nobody was going to the interior of this huge country. And he just said, something's got to be done about this. So he prayed. It's the beauty of having a goal. He prayed for 24 Western missionaries from Germany, England, America, Scotland, Ireland, who would come to China and go two by two to the 11 unreached provinces and give their life for the gospel. He, instead of getting 24, he got 26. And he assured them, here's the wonderful thing is, you get no funding, no protection, but you will learn to trust God because that's the only way you will make it. And he, after he even commissioned them, he thought, am I a fool? Why am I sending these young people out to their certain death? But he said, I got to take the risk. I have to gamble and throw the dice because millions of precious Chinese people are dying and never hearing about Jesus. So we will take the risk. And he named his ministry the China Inland Mission. And by the way, you see the house on the left with the upstairs. He rented that home and that was his first headquarters. And that's where he brought his brand new bride. When J. Hudson Taylor died at age 73, and that's him with his head turned to what is that, the right, with the long beard, there were 835 missionaries in his ministry. 
They had 300 mission stations. And they had seen 25,000 precious decisions for the Lord in Chinese believers that were walking with Jesus. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, this is a recent photo. China is a tough place to be a Christian. The government is cracking down like crazy on the church because it's growing so rapidly. The church is growing rapidly. It's estimated that there are now over 100 million born-again, committed followers of Jesus in China. Everyone say amen. And this young man's sacrifice has a lot to do with what's happening then, today. Now, Taylor was asked often a puzzling question. Where did you get to faith? How did you have the hardship? How did you get up off the ground when your wife died after 14 years? When you buried four of your children in the soil in China, how did you survive? By the way, when he died, when Mao took over, he, and the, he had the Red Guard bulldoze the graves of the Taylor family. And they built a building over it to wipe out all essence of what he thought was Christianity. But instead, it's flourishing. Here's his answer. He said, the Bible says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? I'm sorry. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, that is my secret because all these decades, I've made it a habit to read through the scriptures four times a year, every three months, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the God. By the way, I've just essentially given you the whole sermon in this story. Now, I personally believe all Christians should read through the Bible every single year themselves. I started as a brand new believer. It took me two years the first time, a year and a half the second time. Then I got it to a year and I've read it through every single year, sometimes more over these years. Now, let's talk about what Christ said about the Holy Scriptures. Are you ready? Point number one. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. That's called authority. That's called God breathed. Point number two. He said in Matthew 22 to the Pharisees and scribes who studied the scriptures, but they missed the whole point of the scriptures. He says, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Point number three, after the resurrection, there's two disciples walk into this little community called Emmaus and they are broken hearted. This stranger walks up, joins him on this two to three hour walk and he is hidden from who he is. They don't know who he is. And the scripture says, beginning with Moses, that's the first five books and all the prophets 
He explained the things concerning what in the scriptures? Himself. How would you like to have a three-hour Bible study with Jesus explaining everything? Would that be cool? Point number four. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. His last night on the planet, in the upper room on Mount Zion, this is a prayer. He says, Lord, Father, sanctify them. Sanctify means to make solid. You're putting up a basketball goal and you dig a hole and you put concrete into the hole to hold the basketball goal up. Lord, sanctify them in your truth. And then say the next phrase, please. Your word is truth. One more time. Your word is truth. You want to know truth? It's right here. Point number six. Our king said many times, it is written, my house, it is written, he started off, my house shall be called a, what? A house of prayer for every nation. And I attempted to go through the four gospels 23 times, he said. It says it right here. It says it, it settles it. Point number seven. He said this to the scholars. He says, you examine the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have eternal life and you're right about that, but you have rejected me and the scriptures that you accept actually testify about me. Every book, every story, every page Jesus is the focus, even if it's in symbolism. So what's the conclusion, Steve? Here's the conclusion. Jesus viewed the scriptures as authoritative, life-giving, and error-free. Now, you may have a professor that says different. You may have a pastor that said he didn't believe the scriptures were for us today. And there are a lot of them out there. But this is what Jesus said. And I'm going to go with him. So I want to ask you, how about you? What is your paradigm? What is your value about the scriptures? Now, this message that I'm going to teach today, uh, I hope it would be like if someone came from Pakistan and they had just become a Christian and they said, what is the Bible? How does the Bible work? Well, let me share with you so I can help you grow in your faith. So I've got several things about the scripture I want you to think about. Now, don't just believe what I believe. You let God's spirit teach you. You come to your own conclusions. But here's my first point about this. We all have birthdays every year. 
And you will have less birthdays because you had one this year or last year. So time is going by rapidly. So what are you going to believe? What are you going to give yourself to? What focus are you going to have? Now, I think it's this. You got a short life. What's the most important thing? And Jeremiah tells me what it is. And that is to know, everyone say no, and to understand God. Well, where is that, Steve? Well, it's found in Jeremiah 9, in a real unsettling time when there's massive war and destruction and millions of people dying. And the Lord says, you guys have rejected the scripture. You've rejected me, but let me tell you what's really important. By the way, would you say this verse with me out loud, please? Let not a wise man boast about his wisdom or his IQ or his education. Or a mighty man, say it, boast in his strength or ability. Or a rich man, boast in his wealth. Why? Because you're going to lose all this stuff sooner or later. Instead, Jeremiah is told, say it, but let him boast that he knows and understands me. The focus, the great adventure is to know the Father and know how the Father thinks and know how the Father works. And then he goes on, this would be a great verse for some of you to write down. For I'm the Lord who exercises three things, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. And he says, I delight in this. This is my heart. This is what I care about. Now, point number two. The scriptures and prayer, those two, are the primary way to know and understand God. When we lead people to Christ and we consistently have the privilege of leading people to Christ, it's a wonderful thing. If I can't get them in the scriptures, they're going to drift by the wayside. If I can't teach them to pray, they're never going to ever grow in their faith. And I want to ask you, by the way, most Christians in America are spoon fed. Well, the sermon wasn't very good today, or I didn't like that, or so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Well, dude, it's not about you in a sermon. It's about you and God's Spirit. What you do on Monday is more important than what happened on Sunday. Because it's his book, the Bible, that tells us how he thinks. And frankly, how God thinks about anything, anything, anything is more important than what anybody else thinks, including me. Now, here's a passage from Isaiah chapter 55. This is a great analogy. Well, How is my thinking different from your thinking, God? Well, let me tell you how different it is. If you can take a tape measure and measure how tall heaven is compared to where the earth is, that's how different it is. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. I don't think like you think. And your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are as higher than the earth, 
So my ways are always higher than your ways, and my thoughts are always higher than your thoughts. My first inclination is my thoughts, which is usually wrong, always wrong. I need his thoughts. I need his ways. Point number three, and this is, this is from personal experience, okay? The Holy Scriptures are the greatest antidote for two things that can absolutely ruin you. Discouragement. How many people have had some moments of discouragement over the last six months? Hold your hand up. It's been discouraging for me too. A lot of things have been discouraging. And this is an evil trap that I was trapped in early on in my days as a Christian. That is depression. Discouragement, if it stays and hangs around, will turn into depression. Now, I practically ever, I don't get discouraged for very long, and I just about never get depressed anymore because of some of the things I'm going to share with you today. I found the antidote to both of them is this book. This book right here. Well, why, Steve? I don't understand. Why is this book different from any other book? Because the words of this book are supernatural. They're different than any other book you can read. They are supernatural. The scripture says in Hebrews, the word of the Lord is like a sword that is living. It is life. I open this up. It is life on every page. It is active. What do you mean active? There, if I, you know, if I read for 60 seconds, there's not a lot of energy that gets there. But if I spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, the energy from the, this book pours into my eyes, my head, and my heart. Now, every year, I started Genesis and I go through Revelation. That's just how I learn the best. And uh, one day I'm reading, I'm in Psalms 19, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit paused and said, Steve, I'm going to change your life today. Here's a principle that will cause you to thrive every day of your life forever. And it's this. Would you read it with me, please? The law of the Lord is what? What is it? Why is it perfect? Restoring the soul. Well, I don't even know what the soul is. Well, let me explain. You are, were made up of three parts when you were conceived in your mommy's womb. You are a spirit, which is eternal. You have a soul, which is eternal. You are a spirit, you have a soul, but you live in a body, this earth suit, okay? Now, the reason for burnout, the reason for extended discouragement is not because of your schedule or you're working too much or you've got too many hours or there's too many things on your plate. Let me tell you why, at least in my case. Because I'm made up of three parts, it's the soul that gets lean. I 
I'm not feeding my soul. And this book is perfect to restore my mind, restore my will, and restore my emotions to balance. And instead of battling depression and discouragement, if I'm in this book, first thing I get up in the morning, stuff rarely bothers me. I mean, the devil can put an M1 Abrams tank in my front yard. I open the door. I hear the word incoming fire and they launch a shell that's this long. It hits me square in the chest. I don't even know it hit me. But if I'm not in the scriptures on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I may be preparing sermons. I may be counseling people. I may be doing good things. Here's what's going to happen to my soul. It gets leaner and leaner and leaner till I have an emotional gas tank that's empty. And let me tell you what the devil can do. He can have the littlest, smallest demon on his team squirt me with a little bit of Windex and I fall on my face. I whine like the spiritual sissy I am. Everyone say spiritual sissy. My pastor is a spiritual sissy. And I start whining and complaining like nobody loves me. And this is too discouraging. And God doesn't listen to me. And I need to quit. And there's no hope. And the angels are going. Spiritual sissy, Steve. Okay. So are you with me? If I'm in the book, those attacks just get shed off of my back because the scriptures are the greatest weapon to use against the evil one. Ephesians says this, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to resist. Everyone say resist. The evil one, and then he goes on to say, in the evil day. Now, the other parts of the armor of God are defensive. But you have one offensive weapon, and it is the sword of the Spirit. And when the enemy comes, baby, you better go for your weapon, and you better draw it. Because he's not afraid of you. But he does not like the weapon. And let me tell you what, another day, I'm just reading this, reading Ephesians, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit whispers and says, Steve, did you notice it says, put on the full armor of God that you can resist the evil one. Did you see evil day? There are some days more evil than others. There's a planned defensive with your name and it's circled on the devil's calendar. And if you are not prepared, you're going to be hit really, really hard. Has the devil hit you really, really hard? Hold your hand up. Yeah, he's hit me really hard. So I want to ask you, do you have a weapon? Yes or no? I'm sorry. Do you have a weapon? Yes, you do. Paul says, study to show yourself approved as a workman, a soldier, a Navy SEAL guy who's not ashamed, who accurately handles the weapon. And you know how to use it. I'll tell you what, you can go into a fight 
And you can have it there on your hip, but you don't know how to use it and you're not going to draw it. Uh, It's kind of a bad day for you. And not only do you know how to use it, are you good at using it? Are you good at using it? Now, let me give you some suggestions. I think there's like 12. I think it'll help you. And this is just what I do and what I teach new Christians to do. First, number one, get a Bible that you can read. And I knocked mine off here. I tell new Christians, don't get a $200 Bible from Amazon or Christian book distributors. You just been in the faith 30 days. Don't spend that money. Get a paperback Bible that you can start with. We have these at the church. If you need a Bible, there's some out there on the counter. We pay about eight bucks for a hundred or so. It's English standard version, which is a very readable, but very accurate version. This and New American Standard are probably my two favorites. So when we lead somebody to the Lord, I put a Bible in their hand and I get them started reading. And are you with me? About two years of reading this every day, it'll start falling apart. That's okay. And then I tell them, start in the New Testament. Don't you go to the Old Testament. Start in the New Testament. You're a rookie. You don't know anything. Where do I start? Start in Matthew. Read to the end. Go to Revelation. Why? I don't understand, Steve. Well, let me explain it. The New Testament, every, the truth is right on the surface. Forgive your enemies. Love your wives. Respect your husband. Turn the other cheek. I mean, it just tells you it's pretty simple, okay? But the Old Testament, the truth is symbolic. A lot of the truth is under the surface, six to 12 inches under the surface. I mean, I wasn't even a Christian and I was on a high school football team and my coach said the strangest thing. He said, I haven't read my Bible in three weeks. And I'm going, people actually read that? And I went, three weeks? Wow, I've never read it. So I decided, I was 16, I was going to read the Bible. So all I had was a King James and uh, I started Genesis. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed Exodus. I went to Leviticus and I died. <laughs> I went, I don't understand this. I don't like this. This makes no sense because I didn't have the background to see the beauty. The theme is the holiness of God. Today, I love Leviticus as much as I love Matthew. It feeds my soul. But I didn't have the background to get it then. So I tell people, read through the New Testament several times before you attempt to go to the Old Testament. Point three, set reading goals. That's very, very important. By the way, setting goals is good in everything. So I take a bookmark. It's a four by six card. And every Monday morning, I write down whatever the seven days of the week are, and I record how many chapters I read. If I say the scripture is authoritative, error-free, and life-giving, and I look back over a month, I hardly read the book, guess what? I don't believe what I think I believe. Set 
Say it with me, please. No plan. Say it, please. No plan. No progress. You can't build a house without a plan. You can't run a football team without a plan. And you can't grow in your faith without a plan. Four, mark your Bible up. In all the places I read, I have a container of pens in three different locations in my house. I always have pens with me because I want to show the Holy Spirit I want to learn. He will help a person more with a pen in their hand than a person without a pen in their hand. So mark your Bible up. Write comments. Write dates. Write things. This is a textbook. Use it like a textbook. Five. Before you read every day, here's a suggested prayer. Holy Spirit, since you are the one that teaches me everything... Teach me today. Change me today, Holy Spirit. If you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, uh, not a day will go by that you don't learn some tremendous things. Point number six. Read where. Everyone say where. This is where I read my Bible. $15 yard sale chair uh, for 40 years I've read at a table because I get up early and I stay up late at night. And if I get in a soft chair, I'm going to go to sleep. But this works for me. And when? What do you mean when? How many of you are morning people? Hold your hand up. How many of you are evening, night people? Hold your hand up. How many are neither? Hold your (laughs) hand up. Okay. Well, I'm a morning person. If I don't do it in the morning, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Because you want to be at your best to have your audience with the king. Seven, avoid distractions. What do you mean avoid distractions? Well, I got to be alone. I can't do this in a room full of people because I'm going to be watching and listening to conversations. I need to be by myself. I can't do it with ESPN on or some movie or my wife's watching Lifetime. I can't do that. Is there such a thing as Lifetime? Some of you think you can do it with a TV on. You cannot. Uh, The problem is if I get too comfy, I get snoozy, snoozy, woozy. Kind of like this person. She's having her quiet time. (laughs) Lord, it'll go in my head if I just keep it there long enough. I know. It'll go right through my forehead. (laughs) Catnap. No, does this have anything to do with the sermon? No, but I just couldn't resist. For all you cat lovers. How about this one right here? Is the kid smelling or sleeping? Which one? How about this one? Don't go to sleep at work because you got a bunch of teammates at work. (laughs) It'll be out everywhere. Don't go to sleep at work. And, And some of you have friends at work that might 
do this because they love you so much if you went to sleep. <laughs> Can you imagine being asleep and then getting a phone call? You know? <laughs> this is my favorite. Guido, the boat guy in Venice, <laughs> Betty and Fred, they don't they know they paid $500 for this excursion, huh? <laughs> so, see, get a notebook. Because if the Holy Spirit gives you a life-changing thought, He is not required to give it to you twice. Write it down. It's the writing that changes your life. D, worship music uh, helps me, but I have to do instrumental. I cannot have words going on. You know, if I'm prayer driving, I got to have instrumental. Read my Bible, it's instrumental. Helps me. No words. Eight, after you've read through a paperback a couple of times, there's a lot of good study Bibles out there. The first one I got was a life application Bible. Does anybody have one of those? That's a great Bible. I probably learned more from it than I did spending fifty or $100,000 at seminary. You can see the thing has been completely worn out. Uh, you can get it in a lot of versions. Uh why, why study Bibles? Well, look at this. This is a synopsis of the life of Samuel. Really helpful. This great maps. By the way, the footnotes are not uh, inerrant, but you can learn from them. Okay, look at this. Problems with Israel asking for a king instead of God being their king. Great insights. This is the Bible I'm currently reading now. I read through a different Bible every year. I've done it about 15 years, and I look for things that will really enrich me. I bought this last year, and uh, this is Ray Comfort, who is a great street evangelist. I admire great apologists. Anything he does is great. Well, you know what my wife did? She saw my new Bible. She stole it. She steals anything, steal my Bible, honey. It's okay. I'll forgive you for stealing my Bible. So she finished it, and I said, can I have my Bible back? So I've started reading this evidence Bible. And by the way, the article on the right, some of you soul winners will like this. He essentially says in this article, when you're sharing the gospel, make sure you get them lost before you get them saved. Talk about the depravity of man. Talk about the Ten Commandments. Ask him about all ten. Great article. Now, this is one I finished a couple of years ago. Apologetics Bible. It's put out by uh, Sean McDowell. His dad, Josh, is probably the best American apologist that's, that's been. He's like my age. Now, here's, here's my point. Okay, pay attention. That knucklehead professor at UK or Transy or your knucklehead brother-in-law that says the scriptures aren't true or your neighbor that wants to argue about creation. I just want to tell you, there's a lot of really, really smart people 
that have studied the scripture for decades and they have answers. You don't have to be at some idiot's mercy. The Bible is true, authoritative and error free. Now here's another important lesson. Have you ever read the Bible and you got to the end, you finished and you went, I don't remember what I've read. How many of you have ever done that? I don't remember a single thing, okay? Kind of like listening to you preach, Steve. But let me tell you why even that's good. If it goes in the eyes, goes through the head, goes through the heart, it will still feed your soul. Because I would notice, I didn't remember anything, but man, I feel better. I love God. I want to walk with him. I want to do the right thing. Well, it's because it fed my soul. Point number 10. Don't get stuck on what you don't understand because the devil wants you to get stuck. He wants to take your faith. I know people that were ministers. I know people that walk with Jesus, were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they got stuck on something in the scripture today. They're atheists or agnostics. They lost their faith. What happened? They got stuck. They got stuck. Because the devil wants people to get discouraged. If you get discouraged, you will stop seeking God's face. You will stop reading. You will stop praying. And then the devil has want. So here's what I do. You ready? And I don't understand everything. There's stuff that I just sometimes makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how this works, Lord. By the way, you will never understand all the truth of the Bible. It's layered. Here's what I do. I take my pen. I'll put a question mark in the margin. I'll come back to that later. And I keep moving. Everyone say, keep moving. When you finish reading your Bible, try to remember one truth. At least one thing that you can think about. By the way, if you think about scripture, it is called what? It is called meditation, biblical meditation. So what I want to do is I want to write it down because I keep these cards in my pocket. I want to write down what the Lord touched me with this morning and I want to pray it back to him. Worship team, would you guys come on up, please? Here's another nugget that's transformed my life. Have your prayer time after your Bible reading time, not before. Have it after your Bible reading time. Why, Steve? For this biblical reason. Being in the scriptures for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, it renews your mind. It flows through your heart. And when I've done that, man, I'm ready to close that book. I'm ready to go pray and take on a demon. I'm excited about walking with God. Amen. Now, as we close, if I was to ask how many in this room have never read through the entire Bible, I'm not going to ask for your hand, but that would be many of you. Why don't we fix that today? Would you be willing 
to read through the scriptures. If it takes you three years, would you be willing to do that? And secondly, don't just read it one time, but to make a lifestyle. I'm going to fill myself up with the truth of Scripture before I do anything. And so I want to pray for you today. And I'm going to ask you to do a courageous thing. If you've never read through the Bible and you're willing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. Or if you're willing to say, I'm going to make it a lifetime commitment to, to read the Bible all my life. I'm going to ask if you're either one of those two to stand up and let me pray for you. Stand up right now. Stand up right now. You want to read through it for the first time or you want to make a commitment to read it through on a regular basis. And I just want to pray for you. Anybody else? Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is true, accurate, and profitable. And as your children, your sons and daughters stand up and they say, I want more hunger. I want to know you, Father. I want to understand your ways, dear Lord. Release a spiritual hunger in your people today right here and change their family like J. Hudson Taylor's forever. And not only their family, but multitudes of others that they help. Release that hunger today in Jesus' name. Now during this last song, the altar is open. There's people on the wings that'll pray for your healing, that'll pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need to confess, repent, you just want to get on your face before the Lord, come and do it during this last song, the most important time of our service.
most important thing is that the one that wrote the scripture is your Lord and Savior. And you may be watching today, maybe even in another country. I want to give you the invitation and the privilege to become a child of the living God. Right where you are in this room or watching, you can say with your heart, Lord Jesus, come in today. Forgive me of every sin and wash me clean. Be my Savior and Lord today. Give me a home in heaven because I give you my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need ministry or you just prayed that prayer, come up and see me over here. There's people here to minister. Everybody else slip out quietly. God bless you. joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.